The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the takecast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the takecast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Another episode of the Takecast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Uh, this episode was recorded about a week ago with my friend Justice Moskudeska. Uh, we took a look back at the five rookie quarterbacks in 2018 and talked a little bit about some of the quarterbacks who are coming out in the 2019 class, including Justin Herbert uh, from Oregon, who just declared about 30 minutes ago that he will be returning to school for the 2019 season, which is something that Justice and I talk about as well. Of course, if you like the show, you can support it by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. That's always very helpful. And if you really like the show, you can become a subscriber on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TakeCast. That's $5 a month for unlimited access to bonus shows, uh, specific showdown slate breakdowns on DraftKings, as well as access to our Discord with more than 200 active members right now. It's been uh, a lot of fun running that. And uh, after a quick ad, we will get right into the show. Daily Roto is a mostly proud sponsor of the TakeCast, a mostly sports podcast. TakeCast listeners can save 10% at Daily Roto with the promo code Janus, J-A-N-I-S. If you are playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you improve your daily fantasy results this fall and save time in the process with lineup optimizers, ownership projections, fantasy projections, premium content, and much more. They have all the good stuff that you want to help you make money at sports betting and daily fantasy. Their new lineup optimizer will let you build optimal GPP teams with stacks based on their projections faster than I can punt money off betting on Peter Uline. Sure, you can play the guys that I recommend each week, but shouldn't you also get advice from a proven daily fantasy winner like Drew Dinkmeyer? Yes, I do have better hair than Drew, but I also have his cell phone number, and that makes me a winner almost as much as it makes him a winner. 
of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. And it's not just fantasy. They have tools to bet on player props, golf matchups, and a customizable NFL game simulator for this fall. Save 10% with promo code Janice today. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, would like to welcome my boy, Justice Mosquitesca. I'm, I'm assuming, is that close? Is that close? Justice Andres Mosqueda, but you can say Justice Mosqueda, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, so Justice is on the show. You guys probably know him uh, from Twitter. Guy's got a lot of terrible takes, a lot of good takes, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been, you've been floating around the, uh, the NFL draft Twitter, honestly, like as long as I have. You were in you were back. What was uh, what was Andy's site called in like twenty twenty thirteen? Draft Draft Mecca, yeah. Draft definitely. Mecca, yeah, yeah. I was def- I was definitely like senioritis hit in like twenty twelve, and I was just like on Twitter half the time when I was in, in class. Just so are you? Are you even? You're even younger than me then, because I'm twenty six. You're what twenty four? I just I just turned twenty five. Twenty five. Like, okay, yeah. So you are younger than me. So someone on football Twitter who's younger than me. That I mean, we might be the only ones. <laughs> no man you gotta remember draft twitter i mean draft twitter is basically teams right well draft twitter yeah, does have a, they yeah there's videos. a lot of like there's a lot of like college sophomores like posting clips of like defensive ends and stuff but uh yeah. the reason the reason that i wanted to have you on the show was uh well a couple reasons first is i wanted to talk with somebody about the rookie quarterbacks about the five rookie quarterbacks now that we've got a good sample of lamar starting and also, you watch, uh, you hashtag watch the tape, but also you have a good understanding of, like, you, you watch the tape, but you know, like, numbers matters. You're all about the mock draftable graphs. You act, and you actually have a bunch of thresholds that you found for edge rushers, right? Like, athletic thresholds? Yeah, a ton, actually. Um, Optimum Scouting is actually partnering with uh, the XFL. They're a client of ours, and we're helping them with player personnel and stuff like that. So, like, one of my big jobs as director of analytics for Optimum Scouting has been, like, Basically, how, how can we efficiently, you know, find guys who can be in this league and stuff like that? So, yeah, I've definitely played around with numbers a bunch. But, I mean, I watch film a ton, too. I mean, I coached for three years. I played football for my entire life, basically. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's just not – I don't know. It's always been weird to me that people pick, like, one or the other, like, tape or numbers. But it's like, you guys understand, like, you could probably contextualize things better if you do both, right? Well, that was the that was the war, the big war in like 2012, 2013, 2014 was just like the old guard of guys on football Twitter who were just like, these numbers are stupid. I don't understand them. I don't think they matter. And there were also a lot of people, uh, me definitely being one of them, ready to make definitive statements based on numbers. Like there were, there was, never had an SEC touchdown. He OBJ never did. Never bro. Had <laughs> I actually like low key. I still get in arguments about Odell Beckham to this day. Like people will just go back and be like, bro, you missed this bad on Odell Beckham. How can you be right? And I still feel a little right. Like I still feel like at the time, the stance that I had was defendable just because we haven't seen a prospect like Beckham before him. And we haven't seen one like him after where he was so good and he was so highly drafted, but he just did not do well against other good teams in college. Like it, we just, there's not that situation is very isolated. Like Jarvis Landry was better in big games in college than Odell was. And it, and it was not even close. Yeah. But Jarvis ran like a four. 4.7. I remember that. Yeah, yeah no, that, Jarvis, that Jarvis, Jarvis was really slow. And what yeah. the, I guess the deal with Odell was is 
So Odell came out in a time when like these analytics for rookie wide receivers were like getting refined, but there was still some stuff that is like actually commonplace now that we didn't know, which was that agility score is like probably like one of the number one things for wide receivers, especially who are going to play in the slot or are going to move a lot. And that punt punt returns and kick returns are actually super huge indicators of guys who are going to be good at the next level. And that was not something that we'd explored at all at that point. But like that, that. no, it's like, it's (laughs) like if you, if you look at guys now who are like day two or day three picks who end up being good in the NFL, almost Mm -hmm. unilaterally, you'll go back and look and you'll be like, holy shit, this guy averaged, 24 yards per punt return and he scored nine punt returns in college. Like, it'll like, it'll uh-huh. leap off the page. Those guys. like, uh, Ryan Switzer is a really good example. I think he had six yeah. punt return touchdowns in college. And like, now he's like a starting player for the Steelers. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. That's all yeah. short area, short area quickness and stuff like that, which probably translates better to the NFL when you have fewer free releases than in college where everything is just like off corners. Right. Well, and now, and I mean, I actually think now the rules in the NFL have made it so that uh, these smaller shiftier guys actually have more of an edge even than they did like 10 years ago. Like I think being, being big at the wide receiver position in the NFL now, if, you, if you're big and you can't really move, I actually think it's more of a hindrance than a help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's only so many like nukes, right? <laughs> like nuke, right, like nuke, not that nuke, many of those everything guys. he's strong as hell and then like yeah. larry just like doesn't drop anything but outside of that yeah it's there you don't see a bunch of like six four guys running around just dominating the nfl right now so yeah so we're gonna talk about the rookie quarterbacks and I, it's probably best i what uh what ranking do you have the five guys in right now Ooh. In terms uh, of like, in terms of like future expected value, like I have a, yeah. I have a ranking in my head, and we can just go through the list based on my rankings, and then you can disagree with me or agree with me or whatever. Okay, I would have probably, and this is like the, it's actually the same exact order that I had them coming out. So I haven't. See, really my seen my order's like changed. Much. My order has changed. I'm like, I might flip like two of them. That'd be my only thing. So I would have. Um, Baker, Lamar, Rosen, Darnold, Allen. That's my. That's how it would go for me. So I have. Play. I do not have Allen fifth. I've, you don't I've, have Allen fifth. I have. He defi- can't pass yet. <laughs> I've definitely seen. I've definitely seen enough from Allen to think there's like a path for this guy being on a competitive team that can win. I don't think he's like he's not like elite or anything, but I think I've seen enough from him to be like. Or maybe I've seen enough from him at least to justify what the Bill scouts thought when they took him where they took him. Like enough enough to be like, okay, this actually does make sense, and I see why they felt the need to trade. Well, the, the trading of the picks was bad. But I, I do still feel like he's shown enough, that, in, and also that he can learn. Like he's gotten better as the season's gone on. He's looked less lost. Yeah, as since he, since he came back from his shoulder, his, uh, shoulder injury, he yeah, definitely he, looked a lot better. Yeah. And like, uh, I mean, even just finding guys who can throw a semi-accurate pass, like 60 yards down the field, I think like that in and of itself is an edge. Cause like, that's just something Josh Rosen will never add. Cause he just doesn't have the strength and the arm velocity to do that. Yeah. I just like the thing about the thing about Rosen is he's in such a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Like Arizona was such an awful spot where like, I mean, Mike McCoy was their OC, gets fired, like, within a month. Byron Leftwich, who's never called plays in his life, is now calling plays at the NFL level. 
his offensive line is in shambles. You got to remember, Arizona wasn't even, like, playing. Like, they wouldn't even attempt to play him with the first team in the preseason because of how bad their offensive line was. They were scared of, like, rattling this rookie quarterback in the preseason of his first year because of how bad their line matched up with NFL pass rushers, even at the preseason level. And then, like, at wide receiver, like, they basically counted on Chad Williams to, like, be a big part of their offense, and Chad Williams is just not having any of it, right? Like, dude doesn't want to produce at all relative to the snap counts and stuff like that. So, I don't I mean, really they have, know. They have, they have three weapons. They have Christian Kirk, they have Larry Fitzgerald, and they have David Johnson. And one of those dudes, they, don't, they just don't call plays for the right way at yeah. all. They're using yeah. David Johnson like he's – I don't know, like, like he's Leonard Fournette or whatever. They're running him in between the tackles and giving him screen passes when he's like – he's like honestly his best role is as like a hybrid guy. Like he should play more like Tavon Austin or whatever than he would like a real running back. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Rose is going to have a completely new staff next year, which yeah, like 100%. I don't know. That's, prob- <laughs> that's probably better long term, but you're probably not going to see the second-year improvement that you see in most guys because – I think it was um, – who was it? I think it was Kurt Warner who was talking about – or maybe it was Tony – I think it was Tony Romo who was talking about the Sam Darnold situation and how different it is for rookie quarterbacks relative to, like, even second-year veterans. And he's like, the dude doesn't know the audible system. Like, he doesn't yeah. really know what he's looking at. So when you're doing that, like, you're calling plays by faith, right? Like, you can't – like, the sideline has to guess what the look on the defense is going to be and get the play right. And if you don't, then you're just running against a bad look, you know? Like, that's kind of reality with the rookie quarterbacks, which is why we see them, you know, play really bad early on. Like, their first year, rookie quarterbacks basically don't do anything, even first-round picks. And then you see a massive jump basically the second year. But I think when we think about the NFL and, like, the development of rookie quarterbacks and stuff, we really have to go to um, 2011, which is, like, the beginning of the, of the newest CBA. Yeah, the, the passing era. <laughs> And, like, you don't really get, like, reps in practice anymore. So, like, it, it's, it shouldn't be surprising when um, the only way to basically get average quarterback production from your rookie is when you have someone like Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland who's literally tailoring his entire offense to the rookie quarterback. That's what, that's like what get, they should be doing for all these guys, though. They should, and I think you're seeing it a little bit with Lamar, right? I, like, I don't think definitely... you're seeing it a little bit with Lamar. I think you're seeing an <laughs> offense that is like – I think John Harbaugh watched him in practice for 10 weeks and was like, okay, when Lamar's ready to start, this is, we're gonna, we got 16 total plays we're going to run, and Lamar, <laughs> Lamar has the freedom to check to a run whenever – like if Lamar feels yeah. uncomfortable with the play call, like you're seeing it, it's just like he's not even thinking about passing. He's checking to the run right away. Yeah, so like – I think those scenarios are very different than like Rosen, right? Where like Rosen is like definitely square pig round I mean, hole right now. Rosen's offensive line has the worst pro football focus pass blocking grading by like a whole standard deviation. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, it definitely shows in his numbers, 10 touchdown passes and, or, and 14 interceptions. But I think that for me right now, Allen's physical tools are so good that if like the mental acuity ever gets there, I think he will be, I think he will definitely be better than Rosen. I have those guys like tied for fourth. My order is Baker, Darnold, Lamar. And then in some, you know, whatever, that whatever the day feels like it would be Allen or Rosen. Okay. Um, I think Darnold has shown a lot. I I think that his surface numbers 
look pretty bad, but I think he's shown a lot of like traits that you can extrapolate over. Oh, this guy gets a good coach. Oh, this guy gets a good tight end or whatever. And then like all of a sudden I think he looks a lot different. Yeah. I mean, you can even watch like the Houston game last week. Right. And you can see him just throwing bullets when like pressures coming in and stuff like that. So I think, I think all these guys honestly are going to be decent long-term. Like, I don't think any of these teams feel bad for drafting these guys at all. I think all of them kind of, are like, we have a seat at the table. Like, our quarterback position is kind of locked up for a while at this point. Because I can even see – like, I'm not a big Josh Allen fan at all, but um, he clearly can move around. And, like, he's at the point right now where he sees man coverage and he's just like, I'm going to run, right? Right. And that's probably what he should be doing. And that's good on him for realizing that and good for the Bills for having him play that way. But it wouldn't surprise me – like, so, like, the Bills have a really good – defense right like they probably have top three defense in the league right now with buffalo and chicago like way ahead of the other two right yeah but if buffalo can add some pieces next year and they just get average passing out of josh allen like that could be a situation like that how is that any different than what chicago's doing with uh trubisky right like if josh allen could just be average and he's playing well, on a cheap field I, the difference around the difference is that the the bears made such smart personnel decisions over the off season. Right. They got, they got Taylor Gabriel and they got Trey Burton who both don't have, they don't have like great fantasy numbers or whatever, but those dudes do exactly what Matt Nagy signed them to do. Burton moves all over. Like he plays like an H back. He plays in the slot. He's a decent enough blocker. And, uh, and also Tarek Cohen, like the bills don't have anyone like Tarek Cohen who is like, no. that's, that's I mean, they were the playing a fullback in RB. <laughs> yeah, like he he is there. He Tariq Cohen has been like the Bears, I think, most important player on offense this year because he just he opens up like he is the key to ever. Like uh, after I think it was week three, they basically were just like, all right, Jordan Howard, this ain't it, Chief. And and Howard yeah. Howard like went back to the second part of the timeshare with Cohen. Yeah, the interesting thing with the Bears is I think they learned a lot in that first Packers game, right? Like, their yeah. defense wasn't all the way there because they were rotating in Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack from the bench because they didn't really know the defense yet completely. So they were basically, like, playing third down. But offensively, like, it looked like their best – like, they thought their best play was, like, inside zone with Jordan Howard. And right. you watch them try to do it in key situations against Green Bay and just got blown up. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. Where It was around, like, week three where they were just like – you know what? All right, we're in the post. Post Jordan Howard is leading our offense era. So much of what happens with these quarterbacks, like young quarterbacks in general, is so related to coaching. Like bad, bad coaching just really destroys these guys. Like I mean, Jared Goff, night and day with Jeff Fisher and with Sean McVay. Like it was like literally watching two different guys play. Yeah. So like one of the things I wrote recently, I think it was last week for Optimum Scouting, was basically I I. Uh, I measured what I call sack value and tackle for loss value, which is basically just plus minus sacks and tackles for loss um, based off of like the percentage you had, the number of passes you had and the percentage that the league averages. Right. So you basically get that where it's like, if you have plus five in sack value, the difference between you and the NFL average was five sacks. Right. So I measured basically offensive line coaches because people talk about offensive line coaches and they're like, they're basically running half the offense. They never really get a move up or down. So, like, you lock in this positional coach who's probably the most important positional coach decision that you can make, right? So I went and measured what the career value for these offensive line coaches were. 
and like Tom Gable's like super far down where it's like basically like if you're a young offensive lineman, you have no chance to develop under him. And then super high up is like uh, Skarnickia in, in New England. He's like twice the value of everyone else. And it's just kind of crazy to see how, you know, even when personnel turns over a bunch, like coaching matters so much on like an individual level. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's – I think that's true and it's something that goes under-discussed in a lot of this. But what do you think the upside is for Baker? Do you do you see, like, a, a path to Baker being – like, I, I think the, the standard that we hold these quarterbacks who are not super mobile to is, like, to be an elite quarterback, you basically have to be as good as Breeze, Brady, Ben, Manning. That's, like, that's the super elite tier. And if you're not at that tier – you're kind of just an above average guy. Like I like I would say, and I would even put Rivers in that tier. Rivers has probably generally been that good just without as much playoff success. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the thing about Baker is like, I think it could be Russell. Why couldn't he be Russell Wilson? Why could he run that same like that same type of Well the reason game? the reason like, you don't want the reason action. you don't want him to is you've seen what's happened with Cam this year as he's gotten right. hurt and you've seen what's happened with Russell as like Russell's athleticism I don't know what happened I don't like the guy the guy just doesn't move the same way they don't they don't run the yeah. zone read with him anymore he doesn't really scramble much anymore and I, I think a good point a lot of people has made is that's actually the negative value of having a running quarterback is they're basically sapping their career value off every single game with every hit they take. So that's why you don't you would rather Baker be more of a, a pocket passer as opposed right. to like a guy who's exposing his body all the time. But I think he can be a freelancer and stuff, right? Like he he can do some of those Wilson. Rogers, the, the, the the Favre, the Favre, the the backspin yeah. where he avoids yeah. the, he avoids the sack. Yeah, Baker can be that guy for sure. Yeah. So it, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me like if he at some point was like a second team All Pro or something like that. Like he strung together a season where he had an upside that high. If he was like a consistent Pro Bowl, he got like I don't know, like five Pro Bowls in a career or something like. That. Do you think? I, do I you think, think he could be ever good. be? You think Baker could have, like, do you see the ceiling of him being, like, an MVP candidate ever? Or do you just think it's not? Yeah, awkward- I, I think he could be in contention for it. I mean, MVPs are pretty hard to win. you got to, like, hit things at the right time, right? Like, Rivers. Well, you got to have, have a good story, too. Yeah, yeah. like, River, Rivers and Breeze had MVP seasons in most years, but because of who they went against head-to-head, they didn't end up winning them, right? Like, Rivers yeah, probably yeah. should have won in, like, 2008 and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think Baker could be in contention for it. I mean – you're talking about the dude who set the passing efficiency record and then went back to school and broke it. Like, this is legitimately the most efficient college football quarterback we've ever seen. Probably should have won two Heismans. Like, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for Baker, honestly. Like, I, he obviously doesn't have an arm like Mahomes, right? Like, he's not going to be making those types well, of Well, no, I mean, I no, one's, no one's got an arm like yeah. Mahomes. Mahomes so, like, is going to be the best quarterback the NFL has ever seen for, like, five years. I mean, so we're talking about Mahomes year two, right? How many year two seasons have ever been better? So it's like 80. I mean, he's already Marino. he's already got like the eighth best quarterback season ever, like period already. Like yeah. that's just where his second it's year is. It's all it's yeah, it's honestly not fair. I don't think he's had like one below average game, like against like relative to what defenses are producing like this entire year. So I don't think Baker's gonna be that. I'll set the ceiling below that. But other than that, like I think Baker can contend with like Watson and with Ryan's peak with with Russell Wilson's peak I mean those are like the most recent most consistent guys going head-to-head with like 
in the last that were drafted in like the last decade, right? So yeah, I, I don't really know what to think about Watson as like a, a player divorced of like Bill Bill O'Brien. Like it's it's very because like so much of what happened last year, right? Which is like what when people think of Deshaun Watson, they don't really think of anything he's done this year. He hasn't had a big sig- like he hasn't had a big signature game this year anything yeah. like that. They think of what he did last year when his like touchdown rate was like 13% of the passes. 10%, yeah. It's just insane. So I, I have a hard time thinking of Watson, like in evaluating him just as a quarterback divorced of what I think about him, uh, you know, as a, as a Texans player. Cause I actually was not super crazy about Watson as a prospect. Cause he like, remember at the combine, because he, he threw had, a bunch of picks or something. Well, he had uh, – no, he had, like, the lowest velocity of his throws at the combine of, like, oh, yeah. any, any first-round quarterback ever drafted. Yeah, but you could watch him in the preseason, and he was throwing, like – he. I remember yeah, in the preseason, his rookie it. year, he threw, like, a 65-yard bomb out of nowhere. And I was like, he literally never did that at Clemson. So, I don't know. Yeah, because one of my things, too, was, like, his vertical passing game. Like, he had Mike Williams, right? So, yeah. like, the thing about Mike Williams is he kind of just threw him jump balls. But, like, he ended up in a right – like, as good of a space as he probably could land because he had Nuke, right? Yeah. Like, you could just throw it in the vicinity of Nuke. Nuke's coming down with it. You don't have to worry about an interception. But, um, I mean, he was throwing deep balls and stuff like that early on in the preseason, and I thought that was kind of surprising because that part of his game never really showed out at Clemson. So, I thought, you know, the development kind of started early there. But he's dealing with an awful offensive line, too. You got to remember that. Deshaun Very Watson, bad, yeah. The thing about Houston is Houston basically pissed away two free agency periods and a draft trying to sign Brock Osweiler and then get away from Brock Osweiler and turn him into Deshaun Watson. So, like, what was it, last year? They basically didn't sign a free agent. It was either last year or two years ago. They basically didn't sign a free agent at all. Like, their number one guy was, like, uh, Brino Giacomini, who was, like, an August pickup or, like, a summer pickup, and then ended up being the worst-graded offensive lineman for PFF. Like, that's the type of stuff we're talking about with this team, where it's like, basically, this team is basically draft picks, not including the trade-up of Deshaun Watson, right? And then paying veterans who were there in, like, 2015. Like, that's basically what this team is. And it looks like it on on film, because they're off. It's not a very good team. Turnstiles. Turnstiles. It's actually pretty interesting. So in Watson's career, he has 67 targets to Will Fuller and 206 targets to DeAndre Hopkins. His adjusted yards per attempt on those throws is like over nine, like over 10 even. <laughs> but, to, yeah. but, but to everyone else, it's, it's bad. So it's, that's, uh, that's like the chicken or the egg question of like, so are those guys just crazy special or – are the other guys really bad or does like, and, and I think that there's just not enough continuity in this Texans offense to know. I think Fuller, no, just, not Fuller, at all. Fuller just hasn't played enough games for, really for us to know. Well, a lot of these receivers too. I remember it was like around week five, I wanted to say. And like the Houston Texans had like four wide receivers who missed the game who were like questionable. Right. And they all missed the game for fucking hamstring issues. Right. Yeah. Like, it was like Kiki Cutie and, like, all those guys. And it's like, man, like, that's got to be hard as hell. Because if you're having those guys on the roster, you can't really, like, bring up guys from the practice squad and stuff. Like They have moment, they have right? also not shown – they have not shown a tremendous ability to get uh, edge of the roster contributions at the wide receiver position. Like, the guys that they've tried to bring in, uh, they bounced – like, they bailed on Jalen Strong really early. 
and yeah. they tried to use Braxton Miller as a slot wide receiver, uh, which didn't really, which didn't really work out. But uh, more important question. So back to the rookies, Baker. How many seasons of greater than eight adjusted yards per attempt for Baker? Because that's the that's really I think a great measure. I think that's the measure of like. If you can get five seasons, four seasons of above eight adjusted yards per attempt, that probably means you put your team in like Super Bowl contention that many times. Yeah, so it depends what the NFL is going to look like rules wise. Another, and another, yeah, another, good, like, another. Is everyone getting eight in like three years because like at the at the rate that we're going, what well, I think well, we're you know it it did kind of seem like that to begin the year, but I I'm gonna go look right now. Down. Yeah, there are only sure. yeah, there's only there's only ten guys better than that number right now, and uh, you know that's that's partially broken by like Mahomes is at like ten. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll say, I mean, four or five sounds good to me. I think Baker could be. Yeah, I think Baker at some point is going to be a contender. I, I don't think there's really that much of a doubt, honestly. I mean, he's checking every box. So they 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 got to just hire like an amazing coach. Like they got to get Lincoln Riley away from Oklahoma, or they got to hire Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator. They got to do something like that because if they hire like a another, you know, just NFL, like they hire Mike McCarthy or whoever, you, you, could, you could say keep Greg Williams. That's that's yeah. the nightmare. I mean, well, I mean, matter. I don't even. I don't think that that matters that much for Baker. But if they hire Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy is calling plays, like yeah, that's that's just a nightmare. That's not ever going to allow Baker. Slam to, flat. Yeah, slam flat. Slam Never hitting flat. any ceiling. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, okay. I, I do think Baker has the highest upside of any of these guys because I think we're like seeing it play out live. You know. Yeah, I think second highest ceiling is definitely Lamar, though. I think yeah. he's probably – I think his – Lamar's I Rosen, like – I think Rosen's super talented, but, yeah, Lamar's – I mean, Lamar's you know, 90th percentile outcome is like Cam Newton, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lamar's – he's running everywhere. I mean, he's getting like some of the mechanics figured out, right? So, like, his big thing in college was basically like when he was in the gun, he did not worry about his footwork at all. So, like, he, his feet were like stu- – his base was super thin. And then that's when he would airmail these passes where, like, dude's wide open and he wouldn't throw it in a way that, like, a defender had a chance on it. But he would throw it, like, two steps over him. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, the angle that the throw was at was perfect. It was just went too far. And a lot of that came down to his base. But the thing was when he did under center stuff, his footwork was perfect. So it was almost like when he was under center, like, he was very much in rhythm. But when he was in the gun – it was almost like the staff told him, like, it doesn't matter. Just, like, scan and throw. Like, arm it, right? Um, where you watch him now, and it seems like the mechanics of his footwork, at least his lower body mechanics, like, that, all that stuff is figured out. He's still missing some throws. But at least you're starting to see improvement that way where it's, like, by next year, if he gets the audible system down, like, why couldn't he, you know, why couldn't he be a way better version of, like, what Trubisky is, right? Well, he's, like – system quarterback not necessarily doing all the play action stuff that Trubisky like is like the doing, definition but. he's like the definition of a system quarterback Trubisky is like yeah. if I've ever seen a system quarterback it's Mitch Trubisky for sure because like yeah and like he can like Trubisky can like move a little bit though so like he's different than a lot of those other like like stiffs like he's, he's yeah not, he's not Tom Sa- like I mean Trubisky is like Tom Savage but like with rushing ability yeah it's it's hilarious to watch it because like 
You're like, this, team, this offense isn't that good. But then they, like, started the 40-yard line because the Bears are getting picks, and they just punch in touchdowns. It's like, I guess that's what this is. Yeah. So, I do agree. Lamar has just crazy upside, especially because, like, I mean, there's not – like, we really still haven't figured out how to stop the running quarterback, right? Like, at the college level, at the NFL level, like, those guys matter in January, right? Especially if you're trying to close out games and stuff like that, take an extra man out of the box, so. I definitely think Lamar has a super high upside. I'm just also a pretty big fan of Rosen long term. I know you're out on him, but I, I just think he's special. I'm not I'm not out on Rosen. I'm not out on any of these guys. But it's just like it's very hard for me as someone who like uh I did not grind a ton of college tape. Like I didn't grind a ton of tape on these guys. And the mm-hmm. tape that Rosen is putting out this year is like it's it it's bad yeah it's, it's like good. he had the green bay the green bay game is the only like de- half decent game that he's had so yeah. so as someone who like i'm not coming from a base of like i actually liked rosen i think rosen i'd have to go back and like open up my spreadsheets but i'm pretty sure he was my second quarterback but like i clearly a big thing of this like whole barkley argument is like okay i gotta have a solid take on darnold i gotta watch darnold's tape i gotta like i gotta have a good base on which to discuss Sam Darnold because so much of the conversation on Barkley is well the Giants should have taken Darnold and at first I went look went and looked back at it and I was like you know what maybe the Giants should have just taken um Denzel Ward or or Colton Miller or Roquan Smith or someone like that like someone who could just have like an impact right away who could play at a good level for six seven eight years but I don't know, man. I, I think Darnold might have it. Like, he might just have the juice that is, like, needed to be an NFL quarterback. Because, like, a, a big thing you want to see from rookie quarterbacks and quarterbacks in general is just, like, okay, I made a mistake. What can I do to not make that mistake next time? And how can I improve my team's situation in this game? And, like, that's an example of something that a lot of great quarterbacks have. And I bet this is something that tilts you personally because you have a quarterback who just refuses to throw interceptions. <laughs> I it doesn't it doesn't make me mad like Packers Twitter hates him Packers Twitter hates Aaron Rodgers right now because he's not throwing game ending crushing interceptions and he's throwing throwaways he's like well he he did just throw a game crushing uh interception he did he did off the hands of Jimmy Graham shouts to Jimmy Graham both of those interceptions um but to your point about you know rookie quarterbacks and the whole Darnold Saquon Barkley thing because I was in front of that too I mean I wrote a piece for Bleacher Report where I was like tell me your what was it like the ten worst picks? And I bombed bombed one of them. So Dar- I bombed Darius, Darius, Darius Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, I bombed Darius Leonard. He looks at that like before the game or something. So shout out to Darius Leonard. I'm coming from my half the deep point this year. So, uh, but other than that, like one of my one of my main points was like Saquon's a bad pick no matter what he ends up being because we know that like they had an offer with the Jets for the three second round picks and the pick swap, right? So it's like if you're gonna, there's no way for a running back to ever outperform three third round pick or three second round picks and a pick swap where you only drop down, what was it, four slots or something like that. Yeah. And a lot of people bring up like Saquon Barkley this year. The Giants have an average run game. <laughs> yeah. That that shows you how influential Saquon Barkley is even in the run game, right? He's not that influential even in the run game. That's mo- like the run game is mostly offensive line based, which is why so many assets are spilled into the offensive line and why they get the better in contracts and not running backs. And the other thing too, is people point at like um, Darnold and Rose and stuff like that and say, you know, how, how great are they doing? And it's like, well, are we only measuring for one year? 
Because if we're only measuring for one year, that's pretty stupid. Like, the Giants were picking second in draft. There's in no scenario where they, you know, a running back away from contending, right? And we all know that – so, like, I wrote that article about how basically only, like, something like 5% of rookie quarterbacks end up having, like, an actual meaningful positive uh, season as a rookie. Um, either they don't play their average to below average or they just completely bomb out their first year. Um, so – you know, rookie quarterbacks basically being top five quarterbacks their first year should be the expectation. Um, it's just kind of weird that it isn't. I think people remember, like, the Cam year, right? Like Cam, Roethlisberger, uh, Wilson, Prescott, right? But those are very much the exceptions. And I think another thing playing into this is now every first-round quarterback, basically, other than Patrick Mahomes, right? They, they playing start. Their rookie year. Yeah, they start. Yeah, so, like, we didn't, we didn't have to see Phillip Rivers go through his growing pains we didn't have to see Tom Brady have that Peyton Manning first year where he led the NFL in interceptions we didn't have to see Aaron Rodgers have like these growing pains in a very public form right like they had them in practice and they learned the audible system before they came out so I think it's kind of weird how people haven't really picked up on that yet and I guess if you're not really looking at the numbers you wouldn't be um but you know, if you're drafting a quarterback this year, so like if the Dwayne Haskins is going to probably come out, right? And he's probably going to be the only first round pick in this draft class. So oh, if wait, you're drafting is Herbert not coming out? No, he's probably going to stay. Yeah. That, I feel like that's a bad, that's a bad business decision by him. He, buddy, if so, I'm pretty tuned into the Oregon program because I'm from here, right? Yeah. And the big thing with him is like, so he's a Eugene kid. He went to high school in Eugene. Um, he's going to end up being super high on all the passing records. He has a chance to break all the passing records if he stays through his senior year. And his brother, who's a tight end, is is uh, coming to school next year, and he wants to play with his brother. But I definitely agree with you where I'm like, if you're second on the passing list, they'll still remember you, bud. You don't have to be number one. Go get this $30 million contract. But to, to make my point, um, Haskins is probably going to be the one quarterback in this draft, right? So, like, teams are not going to be bidding for Haskins making a difference this year. They're going to be making a bidding for him to make a difference in 2020, right? Like, that's the dynamic with these rookie quarterbacks, I think. And you know you know the quarterback who's going to get you, – you say there's really only one guy. But let me tell you this. I've seen, I've seen 400 versions of Drew Luck in my 26 years <laughs> on this planet. Drew Luck if, – if Drew Luck has a good bowl game – I would, I, I'll, I'll bet, I will definitely have like money on a prop bet that he goes in the first round. That like yeah. guys like that, he's he's like six four, two twenty five. He's got a cannon. He's not very good, but that does that just does not matter. That dude is going in the first round. He's got a hose, and he basically played. So Josh Heupel, who's the head coach at Central Florida, yeah, my right? boy, my yes. my my, my so he, boy, Josh Heupel. He was the OC. He was the OC of Missouri um, last year. And I think the year before too, but they basically, they run a lot of like run and shoot option play stuff. Right. Which is like the same thing as like the Baylor quarterbacks where they all yeah. put up numbers and none of them ended up really doing anything in the NFL, but like Locke has the hose to go along with that. And I could, yeah, I could see a team convincing themselves, you know, this guy ran five plays in college, but he's got a really strong arm and he put up numbers. So let's draft him in first. Uh, what about uh, are any of these other guys? Do you like Daniel Jones, Ryan Finley, the Northwestern guy, Thorson? These I, I worry about all of those guys because none of literally no quarterback who puts up the numbers that they have in college does well. Yeah, like relative to era, 
none of them do. Like, you look at Daniel Jones. Like, Daniel Jones hasn't really had, like, an above-average season in his college career. If he ends up being a first-round pick, like, all the data points that we have are, this is a really bad decision. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like any of those guys. I think Greer has, like, an outside shot, I guess. Like, I, I, think I think Greer, Greer, backup, but. Greer and Stidham are the two guys who, if I was, if I was picking in the fourth round, I think I would, I would take those guys if I needed yeah, to Yeah, the develop. problem is I think those guys are going to go in the second is the issue. Oh, see, this is yeah. why you can't do it. Like, the, the, the myth of the developmental quarter – like, you're looking at the North Dakota State guy now if you want a developmental State, quarterback. Yeah, so, like, the develop – yeah, like, so – I actually have pretty strong takes about like the the like lower end guys, like guys I would take a shot. All right, well, at, like okay, you you give you like give that. yours, then I'll give mine. All right, Brett Ripien. I don't know how you say his name. The dude from Boise State. Ripien. He's like and, actually, and yes, yeah, he's Ripien. Good. Yeah, he's he's good. actually like decent, man. Like you watch him and you're like, this guy could be like he could be a better version of like what Colt McCoy is right now, right? Colt McCoy's making five million dollars, so like if you get that guy in the fourth, fifth, like you're saving so much money. Um, Jordan Ta'amu, the quarterback from Ole Miss, who came in for uh, the dude who transferred to Michigan, he's pretty good. I mean, he runs kind of a non-NFL-style system, but he's putting up pretty good numbers. He can move around a little bit, and he's got an arm. So I'm pretty interested in him long-term. And then you already mentioned him, Easton Stick from North Dakota State. He's actually pretty interesting to me. Um, I think he'd be decent. I I wouldn't, like, try to trade up to, like, leverage and move up for him or something. But if he's falling into your lap, like, why not – bring him in as a QB3, QB2, and just save some money on a bet. So what I would do were I a GM is pretty much every year I would take the graduating uh, Washington State or Texas Tech quarterback, depending on uh, which guy was graduating that year. I would take Gar- Gardner Minshew this year. Yeah, I would take I would take, and I don't think Texas Tech is graduating uh, any of the three no. guys they had play this year. But yeah, whether it be uh, Gardner Minshew or um, there was a guy three years ago for Washington State. I'm gonna go look it up right now. Who actually was like good? He he was uh, he was on the he was on the Saints roster for a while. Okay, so it wasn't Falk. No, no, it was. Yes, Luke Falk. Oh, it was Falk? I, okay. And I was like, if I was, if I was a GM, I would just keep that guy on as my third string quarterback, and I would just, I would just like look for signs of that guy like getting it or adding some accuracy because guys who get that many reps in college and who are not just like abysmal, I, I really think there's something to drafting those guys. No, and I think a lot of the stuff with like production scores and stuff like that. I think that's a reflection of that too, you know, where it's not necessarily we're just measuring production and production is the thing that matters where it's like production probably correlates with like reps and practice with like the first team, right? Like Luke, Luke like, Falk threw 119 touchdown passes in college. Hey, he threw a ton. He was like, re- the thing that hurt. The thing that hurt Falk was he was awful his last year. Like he was getting benched for like freshmen and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Luke Falk had a ton of reps. And I do think that we're starting to see now where it's like, oh, the bad Big 12 quarterbacks who threw it 200 times a year and get drafted in the first, in the first you know, four rounds just because they went to a big school, those guys almost never pan out where it's like the sneaky good guys end up being from these wide open systems where they're getting 500 reps a season and they're getting everything in practice. Yeah, just like why would you ever draft a Northwestern quarterback? What would ever possess you to draft a guy who played quarterback in Northwestern? Or like Duke, like 
I know people are like fascinated with like Dave Cutcliffe, right? But like, it's not like he's had a ton of success at Duke. Like they're all their offenses are always awful. And that's yeah. his side of the ball. So like, sure, maybe he has some expertise and dude looks polished, but if he's not making the right decisions, does it really even matter? Like, I don't, I, I don't get the Daniel Jones thing. That thing's probably the most surprising thing to me where people would talk about him as a potential top 10 pick. And I'm just like, you pissed away three years of a franchise if you're doing that. I think maybe Jake Bentley, the South Carolina guy, maybe he like is draftable. Is it coming out? I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's. The last I saw an update on on uh, twelve thirteen was that he has not declared either way yet. Yeah, because he was super young too. He was the guy who went in. Uh, he went to South Carolina a year early. He's basically committed to him, and then their quarterback situation busted out, and he was like ready to graduate high school. So he just ended up there at like seventeen or something. Like he didn't yeah. even play his senior year of high school. So he's pretty interesting. I mean, next year I think we're gonna see like I mean Herbert and Tua and all that stuff like next year's quarterback class is a lot better than this one well that's Um, i mean that's always the risk though you you always put you always kick the can a year down the road with the quarterbacks and then like two two, two of the two of the guys play bad and one of the guys gets hurt and like that's usually it happens every single year every single year with these quarterbacks projecting college quarterbacks year to year it, it that is a fool's task yeah but, like, last year would have been the year to do it, which is why the Giants thing is so weird, right? Where it's, like, Giants – so, like, the Giants didn't pick a quarterback in 2018, right? They're probably not going to pick a quarterback in 2019 because there's one, right? And they're not going to trade up for him. They really so, they really got to so get – they got to get in touch so, with Herbert's people. They, they yeah, got so like, to get in that guy's ear. So, maybe they get a quarterback in 2020, which means that by 2021, the quarterback is ready to play in the NFL. So, like, because they didn't take a quarterback in 2018, now this has been put on the burner until, like, 2021, basically, where they can turn over the Eli Manning era. Like, that that process was so bad. So bad. Well, you know what they're going to do. They're going to extend Eli. No, they're going to take Kyle Shermer in the fifth round and start him game oh, one next year. God. No, because he's – I mean, Shermer's not good either. Shermer's not – he's not a good quarterback. 20, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions in the SEC. I can, Dude, I can I already – listen, I can already oh. hear the Giants fans caping for this. My goodness. Just tossing Laletta to the road like that. I don't even know. Is he? <laughs> I don't know anything about that guy. He was, like, okay at Richmond. I didn't think he was as good to warrant where his draft status was. But the thing about him at the Senior Bowl was, like, he basically was throwing, like, fades – at just, like, a crazy rate. Like, he might have completed, like, 90% of his fades. And then, like, you could, like, see scouts, like, gasping, like, in the steel bleachers where they're like, this guy can throw deep. He's going to be a hero. But that's basically what happened with him at the Senior Bowl and what ended up rising him in the draft, I think. But we'll is see. There even I mean, a, is there even a good backup that the Giants could trade for? Like, I, off the top of my head, I can't really think of one. I mean, so, like – Nick Mullins? I don't think the Giants would even I don't or I don't even think the 49ers would would tra- I think they would demand like a second round pick for him. A second, you think so? Cuz I the, the the dream for Jacksonville is trading for Mullins, I think. Cuz I don't think you want to mortgage the franchise to move up for a quarterback and you can't afford a vet right now without They could they could have just taken Mahomes back. instead of Fournette. They could have, yeah, but people are hell-bent on taking running backs, but I think I don't know. Like, Mullins is the guy who stands out to me 
I mean, Flacco is going to be on the open market. Teddy's oh, probably going to be a free no, agent. No, yeah, Flacco is going to be a giant next year. That okay? We there's so? there. I you know what? I just realized that Flacco wasn't going to be on the Ravens next year. Yeah, he's clearly going to be the Giants' quarterback next year. I think that Shermer should get back with Teddy. That has been the dream for me. I think Teddy. I think season. Teddy is fine collecting his check as Drew Brees is back up. To be honest with you, he's going to be a free agent though this year. So we'll see. I guess the NFL doesn't have anything like bird rights or, or whatever, right? So the Saints don't no. have any advantage to re-sign him? No. I have so much useless NBA cap, like cap knowledge. Like It's crazy how much more I know about how the NBA cap works than how the NFL one works. Yeah, I'm the opposite. A lot of people I mean, like, you can just cut. You can just, you can just cut anyone in the NFL, though. Not really. No, it depends. It depends how much. So, like, Washington right now with Alex Smith, since we're talking about quarterbacks, like, Washington probably has, uh, with the injury guarantees kicking in, $71 million tied up to Alex Smith if he never plays another snap ever again. And there's um, just there's no way to get out of that? No, they're going to have – they're not going to be a competitive football team until 2021 at least. And there's nothing that they can do about it. Like, you signed a really bad crippling contract. And it's the first time we've really seen that, right? Like, we've seen – bad quarterback contracts thrown around, but like the worst one was probably Osweiler and Houston figure out a way how to get out of it because they were able to trade guaranteed salary, right? Like you can move away guaranteed salary, but uh, signing bonus gets leveraged against your cap more harshly. And the way that Alex Smith deal works out, like he got a ton of guaranteed money in basically every way possible and injury guarantees lift that up even more. So like they can't even – so like you can June it's called June firsting, right? So like you basically eat the dead cap for that year and then next year you eat the rest of the dead cap. Yeah. Washington is not even in a spot where it's reasonable for them to eat the dead cap this year and have enough cap space next year to eat the rest of Alex Smith's cap. So like they're gonna have to June first him in like twenty twenty. Which so who is, is who is crazy. uh who is the Washington quarterback next year? Gardner Minshew? I have no, I have no idea because I don't know if you want to even spend. Like you're probably there's there's like no reason for them to do anything other than just run Josh Johnson out there. I think actually, yeah, it's like Colt McCoy and I mean Sanchez was ahead of him too. So like, yeah, I just think it's just not going to be a competitive team at all. And I think Dan Snyder and and Jerry Jones. You look at how Jerry Jones is leveraging leveraging the cap right now, and he has to pay all these contracts up real quick. I think uh, Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones very much the next CBA. They're going to be fighting for, uh, hey, let's figure out a way how the CBA, uh, how the uh, salary cap can work in a way that, like, I can buy out players and it doesn't hurt me. Yeah, the, the amnesty clause. They need, they need the amnesty clause. Yeah. You can just yeah. wipe one salary cap off your books entirely. Yeah, because that would, that would, I mean, would be a saving grace for Washington right now. Like, their team is not going to be competitive for three years. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and it, like, sucks for the fans, and it's literally because personnel decisions were made in a stupid way, and I get that why fans would think that that's a really dumb way and, you know, it's not fair to them and stuff like that, but it is what it is right now in the NFL salary cap. That's just kind of what it is right now. All right, so back to the the rookies. Who is on a winning team next year out of the five of them? I think the Browns will have a winning record. I think that I think that the Jets can have a winning record, and I think that the Ravens can have a winning record. And it's it's very contingent on 
what Buffalo does in free agency? Yeah, so like Buffalo, if Buffalo's offense can just be average, I think they can have a winning record too. Like I said, they have a pretty good defense. Uh, Basically, yeah, I can see, I think Cleveland's basically a lock. Baltimore's basically a lock. I think the Jets and the Bills could be, depending on what they do this offseason. And then Arizona, I just see that as like, you know, that might not even be a two-year plan. That might be like a four-year plan or something like that. But Arizona needs to get their craft together. Well, they just have they just don't have any talent on that roster, right? That's yeah, the, like, that's the biggest hopefully issue. They can, yeah, hopefully they can gut it and just like you know move away Mikey Opati's contract and stuff like that. Like do some pretty easy, simple things. Like basically strip it down so it's just like it's Larry and Pat P and David Johnson, I guess. But we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, they need a. I think they need a complete overhaul of that organization, front office, and everything else. Kind of, kind of brutal that uh, David Johnson signed that contract and he's never going to play on a good football team again. I guess Fitzgerald did the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, no, no. Fitzgerald signed that contract before Carson Palmer got there, and then Palmer and Arian showed up yeah. and they were, they were good for like a year. For like a year and a half, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, it just. I mean, I think the David Johnson thing again. If we want to go back to like the Saquon Darnold thing. Like, the Johnson thing shows you how much, like, running back talent actually means, even within the context of run games, right? Where it's like David Johnson's talent doesn't really help him that much if his blockers are bad. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, David, doesn't matter for David Johnson. David Johnson is is no different than Derrick Henry or whatever in terms of results. He's, he's just been non-existent, but I don't think he's no longer good. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so much is contingent on offensive line play. When we talk about running backs, we're like – you could see Saquon Barkley play, and he's a spectacle, right? But when you look at, like, expected points added for, like, the Giants' run game, they're still 16th, you know? They're still average, 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 average. So, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me to be spending top two, top four picks on running backs like, you know, Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette. Just it always ends up turning out badly. The only vet who's on a good contract right now is probably Todd Gurley. And that tells you how good Gurley is. I don't even know if that's a good contract. It is for now, but like he's super getting cut by like 2020. He's not playing out that contract. Are there any even really good running back prospects in this class? The one that I think people would point to would probably be David Montgomery out of Iowa State. He's done a lot of like. Oh, no, there. this Singletary guy, the Florida Atlantic guy, the he's Florida good. Atlantic guy. Yeah, he? he's he, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched him this year. I bet no, on I, I've I've watched him. Year. Yeah, he's gonna he's actually he's gonna go way too high though. He's gonna go in like the second round or something. But he is real good. I saw Josh Norris said Alvin Kamara. <laughs> well, that no, people people got to stop. People got to <laughs> stop with that. Yeah, it's just like the the concept of a backup college running back turning into Alvin Kamara in the NFL that happens like that's more generational than than Saquon Barkley. Like it's more generational to find a guy who was bad in college and good in NFL. Like it just never happens. It was like Spencer Ware and Alvin Kamara are the two dudes I know of who were backups in college and then good in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think those are the big names at running back. The skill positions are honestly pretty weak this year. Yeah. Not not too great. The, the this K, is definitely like Lyman draft. The K State running back is good too, Alex Barnes. I don't know how yeah, he's actually. The combo I watched now. him a little bit. He's a big guy. He's like two thirty. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty big. Debo Debo Samuel will be okay. Marquise Brown is really small. Otherwise, I think I would like him. 
Yeah. I think one of the interesting guys is Inkeel Harry out of Arizona State. Yes. Pretty interesting to me. And then Anthony Johnson, who's like Jadavion Clowney's cousin. He's got like five cousins in the NFL right now. He ended up going JUCO for, for two years, came out, and just put up monster numbers to Buffalo. His market share is just like crazy. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good at the next level too. Oh, Lil, Lil Jordan Humphrey, actually. There's there's a name. There's a name. <laughs> there's a day three pick for you. Out of Texas. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's slow, though. He's re- he's going to be like yeah. real slow. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Plug plug Optimum Scouting. Plug uh, the Quan Edge. Give, uh, give the people your plugs. Yes, sir. OptimumScouting.com. I write a lot of articles uh, from an analytical perspective, right? So you can catch the stuff that I wrote about rookie quarterbacks, uh, passing era, if like exploding, all that sorts of stuff on there. Um, Quan Edge, 61% better so far against the spread this year. Doing pretty well. Um, so go subscribe to that. Get my bets. Uh, that's pretty much it. Boom. All right. Thanks, dude. Yeah, no problem. Anytime.